Cool. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Of Like Minds video podcast, another episode. Got a special friend here today, Ryan Pinones, UCLA grad, Los Angeles native, and a Filipino American. Um, Ryan, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me, bro. Sweet, sweet. All right, Ryan, just, uh, just starting, you are a Los Angeles native, and just talking about what it's like um, growing up, growing up in LA. Yeah, so um, I guess growing up in LA is a, not your typical story. I grew up, actually grew up in historic Filipino town um, in LA, which is uh, quite interesting because uh, the demographic there wasn't majority Filipino like it is in like a lot of places um, that you find around in LA, like Chinatown, Koreatown. Um, it was mostly um, uh, Mexican, Mexican-American, uh, Latinx, like the, uh, that, that was the main demographic. And then there were still a handful of Filipinos in that area. Uh, growing up there from like the night, like the early '90s, early 2000s, um, it was uh, it was a very interesting experience. You know, I, I was exposed to many different things just because we were so close to like East LA area. Like, um, you know, I was exposed to like gang activity. Um, you know, oh, it's still going out today. Police brutality. A lot of um, a lot of unfortunate circumstances that surrounded my area, but my family and like you said, like the community that was built upon there was able to, to support us the best that they can. You know, at the time, um, I, I never really got out of that area in a sense. Like growing up, uh, I never really visited a lot of places outside of historic Filipino town or like East LA, Chinatown, that area where I grew up in, uh, really, I was really close to downtown LA, which was also interesting just because just the fact that we, like I lived like five, 10 minutes away from downtown LA, but I never really went there just because wow. it was, uh, it, you know, there, there was no interest in going to those places, you know, um, at the time growing up, you know, didn't have a car. The only type of transportation that we really had um, growing up in LA was uh, like, public transportation is the bus and the metro, the red line and all that. And those only took us so far. And then, you know, my parents and family didn't really want me going too far alone by myself. So I was, I was kind of sheltered um, growing up in LA, which I guess was a good and a bad thing. I don't know. It was, it was a mix. It was a mixed bag just because you can't really be not exposed to the happenings and, um, in LA in, in that area, just because it was happening all around us, you know, um, helicopters, sirens, occasional gunshots every so often at night and stuff like that. It was, uh, I wouldn't say it was rough growing up in LA, just because my family and um, a good portion of my friend groups were, I guess you could say, um, were like in the the positive spectrum, mm. you know. Uh, even though I was exposed to that, and I, I did have friends who were involved in those types of activities, um, I, I I was never really, um, I guess, attracted or needed to be in those types of circumstances to to help better my life or to help um, have a life in general, you know. Uh, and that's what I I learned about really early on growing up in LA is that, you know, the, the circumstances that you're dealt with, uh, definitely the area that you live in, 
really affect how you know how you grow up and like the outcome in which you try to to live your life because I've had a lot of friends uh, that I that I knew growing up you know steer to the direction that they needed to uh, in a sense of you know being a part of a gang or, or needing to do what they needed to do just to get by because you know life wouldn't allow them to to get to where they needed to be going the other route you know going to college and everything like that because they weren't afforded that you know opportunity um due to the circumstances that you know that they grew up in and that we lived in you know it you know it's like learning now from what um i've learned in college you know going just growing up in general um from living in la there, there's a lot of um callbacks from growing up and seeing how the environment and our circumstances really affected how we really looked upon, I guess, you know, growing up was like, that was normal, you know, and it, mm. it shouldn't be, you know, with, with a lot of the movements going on yeah. uh, with Black Lives Matter, with, you know, defunding the police and everything like that. Um, it, you know, it really shows that it, it's it it hasn't changed and it's so unfortunate that it hasn't yet yeah. and there needs to be there needs to be, there definitely needs to be a lot more you know knowledge and information spread upon like these types of circumstances that people are dealt with and that they're you know no one's getting justice and then that that's what i saw growing up in like downtown LA, in like the LA area specifically that I grew up in. And, and I thought that was normal. I thought that was something that, you know, it just happens, yeah. um, you know. And, and just looking back and reflecting on it, especially, uh, it, it could have gone really bad for me, for my family, yeah. um, for, for a, a lot of my friends and I was just fortunate enough to, you know, to be in a circumstance where I was able to, to go, to be able, to be able to get into a different route, you know, mm. to those who weren't afforded it. Yeah. And it sucks. It just sucks. It makes, makes you want to do more, learn more. And, you know, that that's what I was able to do. You know, growing up from that area to where I live now, like, you know, to, to the direction that I was living in now. So it was, growing up in, in downtown LA was difficult, but it helped with the fact that I had, you know, family and friends that were, you know, trying to look out for the best for me because we were afforded that opportunity, yeah. for sure. And you, you talked about your family kind of sheltering you and kind of, you know, keeping you away from the, maybe some of the things that could have steered things differently. But if you can just talk about having both perspectives of, you know, your friends that, you know, went a similar path as you and, you know, friends that maybe went a, a different path. So if you can just talk about that dynamic. Yeah. So um, both my parents, they, they, they came from the Philippines. They met here in the States actually. Um, and 
yeah, growing up, we we lived, we actually lived, before living in historic Filipino town, we actually lived in like the Silver Lake Sunset area, which back then wasn't as gentrified as it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was still, it was still a decent neighborhood, decent uh, place to live in. But then, you know, having a child and everything like that, they need more affordable housing, more affordable place to live in. That's why mm-hmm. we were able to move into the area um, that uh, in historic Filipino town. And then they, you know, they, they, they lived in the U.S. since like um, around seven, early 70s, early 80s. Um, so they understood what was going on at the times, you know. And then, of course, having me, um, like, you know, being a 93 baby, a lot of, um, a lot of families and um, people who, who, who were in L.A. at that time, the previous year knew about the LA riots in 92. So they understood the, you know, the ramifications of like what has happened in LA and what, you know, what could possibly be the outcome of, of raising a child in LA, especially in the neighborhoods that, um, that we were, that they lived in. So being, being, you know, protective and cautious about me, um, I was my mom's third child, and then I was my dad's second child. Mm-hmm. So um, they they had families of their own already, and they, and they understood, you know, what it meant already to to raise raise a child, and then raising me. And that at that at those times, they they didn't they didn't allow me to go out, you know, much um, in the sense where they didn't know I was going. Um, they didn't want me out at night. Um, if I was going to be part of any activities or anything like that, I would have to let them know like that. They, they would like, they would involve me in a lot of stuff um, in the community um, in the sense of like parks and stuff like the other, my other family members were a part of. So they already knew that it was like, you know, a safe, safe environment, stuff like that. Um, in the sense like they, they put me in basketball, peewee basketball, peewee t-ball, um, a lot of park and rec stuff um, yeah. to keep me to keep me occupied away from like um, the other activity that was going around in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, they they enrolled me in private um, private uh, K through eight private school, yeah. um, which was uh, I think I was very fortunate to to be in, and I know they uh, they put in a lot of effort to to keep yeah. me enrolled there for like nine years, and I. I <sighs> I really appreciate them a lot for putting me through that school just because I was able to find lifelong friends there that I've had friends since kinder yeah. to now, which is like 20 plus years, which I find is like kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's being, you know, just being involved in a lot of things, being put through private high school, private, private school, K through eight. Um, they, they just wanted the best for me. And uh, I, I, I totally understood that. But then, going through high school um you know even though they sheltered me away from it it doesn't mean i wasn't exposed to a lot of the activities that was happening you know just even playing outside you know like outside in the the street like the cul-de-sac that i lived in or just at the park nearby my house um in historic philippines town uh, called lake street park you you were exposed to many things you know there there'd be a gang posted up um, 
and you know down the block from our neighborhood that you know uh, they who uh, um, most mo like most of the the affiliations were there uh, that we knew about were you know very um, you know very heavily involved in gang activity so and that they're part of bigger like bigger gangs within the neighborhood so it was it was a very it, it was a mixed bag of uh, situations where it can get very dangerous. It can get very, uh, you know, hostile at moments, you know, not directly involving me, but we know with other people around them or other gangs as well in the area. So it was just a matter of um, trying to, to understand where we lived in and like how we should, um, you know, carry about our lives while still living in that type of situation. So yeah. we, I was exposed to it, you know, um, I understood what it was just because it was explained to me so much um, by my parents and by the people around me that, um, you know, warn us about, you know, these types of situations. And, so, and it just from my friends as well, you know, even though um, I came from that area and I had parents like that have sheltered me in that sense. Um, my other friends have, you know, even though we were in a private school, um, people come from all walks of life. So I had mm -hmm. classmates and friends that also lived in the same type of area that I lived in, but were more involved um, in those uh, circumstances just because they needed to be or they already had family members that were already part of those uh, gangs and it you know you you learn from them um, they tell you what happens stuff like that and you're, you're young you're very impressionable uh, and it's um, it stuck with me you know a lot of those things stuck with me in the sense where um, I knew I that was not for me that was not the life for me I did not want to be part of that you know situation yeah. but it doesn't mean I I couldn't step away from it just because mm -hmm. I lived it. I lived in that type of area and I needed to live. I couldn't live away from it. So I had to live with it. And that was a situation for a lot of my friends mm. um, and classmates growing up in like um, in middle school, especially just because that's when a lot of, a lot of them started to, to be more involved in those types of situations. Um, uh, and just, just learning more about, um, you know, how to carry yourself in those neighborhoods and just how to, how to be um, at school, especially. Um, because going into high school, that's when I went to public school at Downtown Magnets. Mm -hmm. um, it was a very small school, but then it was, um, it, was a school, it was a magnet school that had kids come from all different areas of LA. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, they would have their immediate students um, who would be from the local area. So me, I was, I was, I was very close to that school. So that would be one of my home schools <clears throat> that I would go to. And then they would also um, have students from uh, Compton area, uh, their heights, like all like the Valley, they would have them from all over LA. So it was, um, it was kind of like um, a mixing pot of like different areas of LA that you know, some people knew of, some people didn't know of. Um, There's some people there that went to school that I, I like, I never went to school like from K through eight with anyone that lived in like Chinatown or anything like that, just because they had their own school system, like their own communities as well. And then in that school, I was, I was exposed to that, especially from people from like 
like Watts area, Inglewood, um, yeah. like that South LA type area. I was, that was the first time um, having, you know, sharing a classroom, you know, being friends with people from those areas. So it, it was a great opportunity to meet more people, but then it was also um, really big in the fact that, you know, from middle school to high school, like even during high school, that's when a lot of um, my classmates and some of my friends got involved in like gang activity and everything like that, just because, you know, again, harking back to what we were like, I was talking about before that, you know, mm -hmm. it was it was like an opportunity that they, they had to deal with or that they had to be involved with just to get by in life. And, um, that caused a lot of tension within the school, just, you know, typical, typical high school, you know, high school drama and yeah. like, stuff like that. But then also just, like real life situations um, bleeding into the school system, just cause um, it was such a mixing pot of, um, of people from different areas, different backgrounds. Yeah. I mean, well, what was that transition like going from, you know, being in a bubble essentially, um, being in private school and then transitioning to a public school, like what, you know, what did you experience that transition? What was that like? Um, it, it was, it was somewhat of a culture shock for sure. Just cause <laughs> go coming from private school K through eight, you're, you're basically with the same people the entire K through eight. Like I've had like the friends that I've had since kinder I've had since to eighth grade and high school and some of them to, through college. So that's mm -hmm. kind of, that it helped that um, a lot of my classmates that went to um, the private school I went to went to the same high school. So it, we were struggling together. So I, we didn't feel alone, but coming from like wearing a uniform every single day, like you had the same set of clothes every day. You didn't have to worry about what to wear or anything like that. that was like the type of like mentality that we, I was going into going into high school was that I like, damn, I have to, I have to, buy clothes to wear to, mm. to school every day I, like, I didn't I didn't understand style I guess you know mm -hmm. at the time so um th that was one of my like main concerns like for some reason I vividly remember just like I can't wear the same clothes every day or like, I can't wear the same type of clothes every day I have to like wear regular clothes I thought it was like you know, some people would be like very like excited, like, oh yeah, I don't have to wear this darn uniform anymore. But it was like, <laughs> it was just comforting to know that I could just like, you know, I have like like five, seven pairs of like white polos and like mm -hmm. five, ten pairs of like freaking blue navy khakis that I could wear every day and yeah. not have to worry about what to wear. And I just all I had to wear is just like white shoes. But now it's just like, okay, now I gotta figure out what to wear. Uh, I have to do laundry every single week and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Aside from that, um, just having much bigger classrooms. And then in, in the middle school that I went to, which was still part of the private school, we didn't have that typical going to like class to class for different periods or different sections. So moving around to the next class was something that I was kind of unaware of, or I was just like, mm. I was like, we had a locker and that we had to go to, to put our stuff so then we could go into the next class and stuff like that. So that was kind of like different for me too. But then uh, I think the biggest difference coming from private school to public school, um, specifically my public school, was the, the fact that we had block scheduling, which was kind of, I don't know if you know what block scheduling is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, so having, having three classes a day 
that's fine. But then having three classes a day for two hours each class mm-hmm. was, <laughs> like, it was kind of unheard of for me. I thought we were supposed to spend like 60 minutes on, or like 35, 45 minutes on this and then next, next. But I think it worked out for the best just because we were able to spread out a lot of the work and a lot of the studying that we needed to do day by day. Um, and just getting to adjust it to it in the first, the first year of, of um, classes was like, was fine um, in that sense. Um, but yeah, just, just having a, also um, a bigger background of, of classmates is also really, yeah. really good. Because in that transition from private school, it was, it was majority Filipino Asian uh-huh. in, at my school um, growing up from K through eight. And then going into, um, going into high school, it, it was great because then there's a lot of um, a lot of people from like just just international even just you know people from people from China like straight like straight from China or people from Mexico or people um, even from uh, Korea and everything like that was like it, it was great just in the sense that there's a lot of international aspects from there but also you know that local local background you know that you, you had rich um, like Black history and Mexican history um, melding into um, our school just because it was such a highly densely populated area in, in downtown LA where our school was at and where these kids were being um, picked up from to, to go to our school. Yeah. Um, and a one, one thing that I had to note from coming from private school to um, high school, especially at downtown Magnets, because it was a magnet school, Mm-hmm. Um, they had magnet programs that allowed us to specify in st- different um, um, subject matters. So there was mm-hmm. um, a business magnet where you would uh, focus more on like the business aspect, business financial aspects of um, a career or college choices. So they, they would mostly study, um, you know, accounting, statistics, um, and uh, business, they would create business por- portfolios for their, um, their senior projects. And then we'd also have a uh, Academy of Information Technology. Um, mm-hmm. So that was, you would specify more so on like computer programming, mathematics, physics, um, uh, and that sort of nature within the technology aspect. But then they also had a fashion magnet where um, they would study more upon, you know, fashion, designing, um, and, um, you know, like, uh, I don't know, sewing and uh, mm-hmm. just creating their own, their own clothes, their own wares. And that, that was that was awesome. Wow. To, to just to be a part of like, even though I wasn't part of that program, mm. seeing my friends who were part of that program who, who were able to make create their own designs and have their their senior project shown uh, on a runway at wow. school was, was awesome. So it, it was wow. it was great to be um, part of a school or just to go to a school that allowed for that type of opportunity where mm. a lot of schools wouldn't have that, you know. And uh, me, I was, I was part of the information technology magnet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was exposed to computer programming, exposed to a lot of um, of the technical aspect, but I didn't really follow suit on that. But it was still a great opportunity to, yeah. to, to be exposed to everything that was around me for sure. And that, that resource available at your high school, I mean, you're transitioning from private to, to public. What other resources in terms of, you know, academia, like college preparatory classes, um, SAT prep, like what were those resources like 
once you got to high school at the public, uh, public high school? Um, so going at our high school, we had a, a great college counselor. Um, uh, shout out to Linda McGee. She, she was, she was really, she was actually a really great college counselor just cause she believed every single one of the students at downtown magnets can go to college. Mm. And no matter what college it is, Ivy League, private, public college, community college, as long as she like believed in higher education. So as long as you set forth on like trying to achieve that, or even trying to go to continue like um, trade school even, um, she supported that just because she understood the benefits of like having a degree or having a certification in something. So then you are able to further your, um, your career, like your life in general mm. um, was really, really nice to see just because I don't know. I don't know if it's, you know, a, a trope or it's like something that other places have experienced, but I've heard from like people from who went to different schools that their college counselors weren't that good or that yeah. they, they didn't believe that they could go to college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, that, that's sexy here where like, you have someone who, who wants, you know, to do better for their life, to go to, to a college and even try to achieve um, the feat of going to like a, a top tier college and having someone not believe in you being like, maybe you should try to go for these schools or maybe you should go to a community college or maybe you should try this and not even like have that opportunity to even believe in, believe in you where you truly do believe in yourself is like, I feel like something that's so detrimental and very unfortunate for like those who had to go through that. And I was just super thankful that I had the resources of a great college counselor that believed in like everyone. Mm. Um, but in a sense of like what resources that were provided for us, you know, um, I think looking back at it, it was, it was really good actually just, um, but in a sense of like the opportunities to um, understand what colleges provided and like uh, where we should go if we want to further a certain uh, career path was great. They, they had, we had all that information, but in the sense of like SAT prep, ACT prep, um, like college admission letters, um, what is it called, personal statements uh, and personal essays that we needed to provide for colleges. There wasn't that much resources I would say for um, that our high school or college counselor provided just because we didn't have the funding, mm. you know. Um, we were a small school. My graduating class of 2011 was less than 100 or about 100. <sighs> wow. Um, and that, that's a public school in downtown LA. While the school next to us, um, Roybal, Roybal High School, which is like one of the biggest high schools in like Southern California right now, um, had like a, like, 700 to a thousand graduating class just because their school was so big mm-hmm. and they had so many students and it sucks because um the students that you know at our school you know were were excelling they were doing well um and they we had like a lot of opportunities um to you know go to different colleges and all that but it was because of like the hard work and the due diligence of like the people who went to to our school they they went out and seeked out um information on their own that was um that that they were able to provide for themselves at a you know at a reasonable price or like for free even at the library um 
I guess to offset like the the SAT prep or ACT prep or like the testing prep and personal essay um, uh, reviews sessions and stuff like that, um, the our college counselor was able to provide other resources to where we could go to, um, where we could find like you know free books on SAT prep, mm. you know, or you know um, you know people who were online on online college boards that were able to provide. Um, um, you know, reviews for your personal statement or personal essay. Uh, you know, our college counselor was also very, for, like, very kind enough to read, like, all of our personal statements that we wanted to send to colleges and review them one by one. Wow. Um, there were also, like, we had, uh, our AP English teacher was also one of those people who, who, were able, who were able to, like, review that. So we had, we had resources in a sense where, like, our, you know, our staff, the staff at the, the high school did what they can with the, with the funding that they had, you know, and, and that was, that was really good to see uh, and really great to have just because, you know, even though we weren't like a top, you know, top public academy, doesn't mean that they weren't able to provide, you know, top level academy uh, resources for us. Um, yeah. So, um, and, and aside from that, um, we were able, you know, we had college visits, you know, and that that was um, that was really fun, really really great. Cause then, um, it I learned a lot about fundraising through that. Mm. So you know, no funding for our school, so we had to do the fundraising ourselves. So we yeah. did we did car washes, we did um, bake sales, we did all that we can to raise funds, and so then we could visit these colleges um, for our you know for the our specific academy that I was in. Um, so you know we were able to raise enough money for like fifty students to go to like Berkeley. Or, um, Stanford and all that too wow. so we could visit you know have a tour and really really determine where we want to go because um, you know the team like the teachers cared they cared about their students they cared that about where they went and like to give us that opportunity was I was really grateful about for sure where would you say the first big influence was for you to go and pursue higher education was that kind of fostered in high school was that did that start you know home in the support system mm -hmm. there or where did that inspiration first kind of start do you think it it definitely started in high school for sure mm -hmm. um just because i will my the friends that i surrounded myself with in high school were those who wanted to pursue higher education mm -hmm. and and like i i did you know i still didn't really know what I wanted to do really um, in high school. I, I kind of just followed, you know, followed the path of like what my what my sister did and everything like that, going to nursing and everything like that. Uh -huh. So I I went into college apps or like going into like thinking about college, thinking like, oh, I get into like a nursing school or a nursing uh -huh. program or something like that. So just surrounding myself with like the people who wanted to pursue a higher education really drove me to to want to go to college you know to university um yeah it's plain and simple in in, in middle school i i didn't really talk about college or anything like that yeah it was more so just um you know just just standard just standard school stuff yeah and then be, by being surrounded by having a college counselor too it really influenced the where what I wanted to pursue in the future for sure. Absolutely. So you 
again to college and if you you want to share the you know the places that you were accepted but ultimately ended up choosing mm-hmm. UCLA and uh, I believe you started as nursing correct yeah yeah so obviously following your sister's footsteps so just one talking about um, getting accepted into college and kind of differentiating and figuring out which one you wanted to attend mm-hmm. and then second question just starting out with nursing and then kind of going from there yeah so um going to senior year uh i already knew of the different types of nursing programs um that were available to me that i i wanted to get into but then i also didn't want to um limit myself for, for just nursing and i wanted to also um pursue colleges that you know provided that had great programs and other aspects such as in like the field of medicine field of technology and all that um just to broaden my horizon to see what where I really wanted to go and what, what I really wanted to pursue so um the obvious choices for like nursing programs that I applied to were UCLA NYU um Columbia and um the other one I think it was Pomona I think it was Pomona uh-huh. yeah it was Pomona uh, they had really good nursing programs I applied to all of them I also applied to um, uh, applied to USC just because uh-huh. you know USC and I applied <laughs> to Berkeley um, which funny in fact Berkeley was my dream school I really wanted to go to Berkeley just because uh-huh. after visiting that college during one of my uh, college trips in high school I uh-huh. fell in love with the campus fell in love with the people um, it just, it was, I don't know, it was, it was really fun just to be there. And I, I felt like that would be the type of place for me to be in NorCal, be in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Um, I applied to, applied to Dartmouth. Um, they had a great program um, uh, in, in literature and arts that I, uh, they sold me on just uh, through their, their welcome packet and everything like that. And it, it was one of these schools that um, one of my good friends, uh, was thinking of applying to also. So he kind of convinced me as well to, to apply there. Um, and that was it. Yeah, that, that was basically it. I also applied to different um, UCs just because, you know, we, I was afforded um, free, mm-hmm. um, the free, uh, what is it called? Uh, free application. I had yeah. the, the fee, free application. I had the fee waiver. That's what mm-hmm. it was. So, you know, wherever I had a free fee waiver for um i applied to that school so like uc san diego mm-hmm. um uc riverside um you know ucsb and all the like different cal states too mm-hmm. as well and so i applied to all those schools uh, march slash april come around that's when like college admissions come out mm-hmm. uh, in 2011 and um i i get rejected from berkeley which is great because um, before that, I think I think actually UCLA's admissions came out before Berkeley, so I already knew I went into got into UCLA, mm. um, and then I got into got into I got into all the program I got onto all the nursing programs at Columbia, wow. and then um, I think the you know the schools that I got rejected from were like UCSD, um, Berkeley. Um, but yeah, um, it was pretty much it. But yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, so long um, ago. <laughs> it's so long ago. Um, but what ultimately got me to go to UCLA was, of course, the nursing program, just because my, my sister worked, worked at UCLA, Ronald Reagan. So there was a lot of influence to just, just to, you know, you know, choose that school. I get to stay home mm. or like stay close to home at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was definitely the best decision, best choice for me at that time. Um, I was really thinking of going to USC also just because, um, you know, they, they provided a program where I was able to excel in, in a sense where I could basically choose my path if I didn't want to become a nursing or if I didn't want to pursue nursing. Um, and I also uh, considered going to Dartmouth too, just because my friend um, really, <clears throat> he really, really tried to convince me to go there because that's where he eventually went. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had a great time, um, you know, uh, but no regrets choosing UCLA for sure. Wow. And then, uh, yeah, it's pretty, like, it's pretty much how I, I chose UCLA, just the, the, the basic influence in my life and like, the situations that I was put in chose me to to go to UCLA for sure. Yeah. So you're leveling up and you go from private school to public high school resources and now you're at very prestigious university. I'm just talking about that transition um, with everything from within the classroom to extracurriculars and just that adjustment. Yeah. So, you know, go, going from private school to public high school, that was like that was a minor culture shock. And then going from like high school to UCLA, that was huge, huge <laughs> culture shock. Like literally like I, I haven't been in that much disbelief in the environment that I was in ever. Mm. Um, just cause you know, UCLA is not even that big of a campus. Nope. I don't know. It, mm. Like, it's it's like at first it was definitely at first it was but like going into there and just being in that type of melting pot of um you know different backgrounds than that i was used to than i I was used to was such like such an experience that i didn't know like any other person like unless you were like unless you grew up like in the type of areas that like I grew up in or like the, that my friends and family grew up in in that mm-hmm. way like that type of experience going to such a at UCLA is definitely wouldn't be the same uh, for everyone else and that that's what really really made my my made me feel really small uh, in the world just because you know I, I kind of forgot that like not everyone had the same background as me and no one not everyone could relate to my experiences and like could relate to to what I went through growing up and seeing that you know different perspective from other people um even from people who who identified as Filipino Filipino American from like um coming to UCLA it was different it was still different for them just because um they they grew up in a different area they grew up you know, either coming straight from the Philippines or I haven't, you know, like I've only visited the Philippines a couple of times. So I can mm. only imagine how their experience is as well as a, as an immigrant student. Yeah. Um, so just, just being exposed to, to being different um, because 
there there wasn't a lot of low income slash um you know people growing up like like what i've noticed is that there's not a lot of people who are from la that go to ucla now that was one of the biggest thing that i was kind of like flabbergasted about is that mm. uh, like i think it's because most of them went to usc but boohoo whatever <laughs> but um but yeah that, that was like I was one of like the only few people who grew up in LA who lived in LA that went to UCLA um, um, at the time that I went to UCLA. And that, that's something that I was kind of like, whoa, it's kind of wild. Like there, there are people who grew up in like the Valley, Orange County, um, you know, like Riverside, like Inland Empire area, mm-hmm. um, but not like, like straight from LA. That, like, mm-hmm. I can count like a handful of people like who were from LA that went to UCLA, like from like my area even. And those people like I knew growing up or that I had family members knew growing up that went to, um, that went to UCLA. So it was, it was like, like we knew, we knew each other slash knew of each other. So it was still, still kind of cool, um, which kind of also like attracted me like to them, to, to being their friend. But hmm. also I think one thing that was really beneficial um, to going from, well, it was part of the reason why I also went to UCLA besides the program of uh, the nursing program was um, um, it's called Bruin Life Weekend that mm-hmm. you and me were both a part of. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, you know, that experience of being um, asked to go to UCLA for a weekend, you know, before before we made our decision to, to go to the colleges that we wanted to go to mm-hmm. uh, and experience what it was like to be a UCLA student before we even chose to go there it was yeah. such a great experience. Um, they provided us with housing. They provided us with like kind of like a mentorship slash um, resource guide of like what it is like to be a UCLA student, what it is mm-hmm. like to live on campus in the dorms, mm-hmm. to eat the dorm food, to experience what it's like to be in classes and like just meet the other students, high school mm-hmm. seniors who are also accepted to UCLA mm-hmm. that can possibly, you know, be your, like not possibly because like most of the like, basically all of the people that we went to Bruin Life Weekend with what became our friends. Yeah. And just to have that tight, like just having a group of people that you already knew going to UCLA mm-hmm. helped the world, um, help you, helped us transition into that space a lot better. Um, and so I was um, just so fortunate to just be part of that and to be able to experience that mm-hmm. and, and have that um have that culture shock going into UCLA, um, you know, be, be a little bit bearable um, mm-hmm. because I know like, even though like a lot of us came from different backgrounds, different areas of the world, um, it was just nice to know that we experienced something together and then we were able to experience the whole aspect of being a UCLA student in its full, um, getting like getting there that first zero week. Yeah, the Bruin Life Weekend, you talking about that brings up so many like, you know, awesome memories. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only did that have an influence on you, just that weekend in, in terms of deciding, you know, where to go, but you also were heavily involved with programs that were, you know, heavily Filipino based. And so those, those programs being Samang Filipino, and some hung modern. So just talking about your involvement in finding comfort in spaces with people 
that have similar backgrounds and cultural understandings and growing up, um, especially just adjusting to the university, if you can talk mm -hmm. about that. Yeah, so, you know, going into the university, you, it's a big world and you don't, it like, it's a big world and you, and you want to find your place somewhere where you can not only build your roots, but also find yourself as well. Growing up Filipino-American, um, growing up as a Filipino kid with, you know, big Filipino family, uh, I was exposed to a lot of, you know, traditions uh, from, from my family members, you know. Being able to visit the Philippines, I was able to, to see um, what growing up like was in the Philippines for them. You know, they lived in, um, my, my dad was from Rizal, Morong Rizal, and then my mom was from Cavite. So, like, they, they grew up in, in, like, kind of a harsh, harsher realities than what they lived in in, in the States, for sure. Uh, and then being able to see that um, firsthand was, like, a really great experience. So, uh, they, they were able to teach me, you know, different Filipino traditions here and there. Filipino food, of course, was I, I was able to eat every other day. Um, so, I had sprinklings of, like, Filipino culture um, growing up. But then going into UCLA, um, that's when I really wanted to kind of find my identity as a Filipino slash Filipino American. And the only reason why that I really wanted to find that was because of um, that's, that's what, what, what I latched on to um, as myself being, you know, Filipino American, like, like I'm Filipino, but I want to be I, I'm not saying I don't, I don't I want to be more Filipino, but I want to be more um, in tune with like, Filipi being Filipino and, and Filipino culture. So I, I think that's why I was attracted to these organizations that were um, heavily um, involved with like um, Filipino culture and all that. So being part of um, Samahang Filipino, Samahang Filipino Culture Night, um, PrEP, which is a Filipinos mm -hmm. um, recruitment and enrichment program. Uh, and then as well as being part of um, a Filipino-based fraternity in uh, TDB was also something mm -hmm. that was really, really something that I really wanted to be, to be involved with and really put my efforts into. Because uh, they all provided me with different aspects of what being Filipino is or, or how to provide to the Filipino community. So just talking, you know, giving quick blurs about like different things. I was uh, being part of Samahang Filipino, the, the Filipino, basically the Filipino club at UCLA was great because it was a, um, it gave you different avenues of, uh, or, or different, um, this is what I'm trying to say. Like they provided us with resources for different organizations or slash Filipino organizations as well on campus that we could be involved in. Um, if we wanted to be specifically involved with um, something. So there's like Filipinos for engineering, uh, Filipinos in nursing, you know, all like, like they were able to have those types of people, those types of organizations, organizations come through and have that space for them and um, be able to advertise that, hey, there's, there's people, there's, there's, there are Filipinos in like filmmaking as well, you know, and mm -hmm. there'd be a couple of Filipino filmmakers that, you know, that we knew of that, that were involved and, you know, it was, it was a great opportunity to just meet new people 
with this with similar uh, backgrounds and like being uh, being Filipino or just people trying to find their Filipino identity as well. Yeah. Um, and then you know Samahang Modern um, was great. It was the the uh, how do I want to describe? They're basically a collegiate um, dance team at UCLA mm-hmm. um, that was part of Samahang, that was stemmed from Samahang Filipino mm-hmm. because of um, the culture night. And it, they, um, you know, with, you know, with the ongoing discussion continuing on from, you know, hip hop, you know, black culture and everything like that, I don't want to misrepresent them or like anything yeah. like that now. Um, but, you know, they were heavily based, you know, around like hip hop, hip hop dance uh, and um, you know, like even like to this day, they, they're implementing like Filipino type of dance, like um, cultural dances within their, mm-hmm. which, which was an interesting uh, take on like what they were doing, which I, I find, you know, like interesting where I see where they go with this and all that. But yeah, they, that was the, the collegiate dance scene that I was part of for mm-hmm. um, two, two years great great experience because they you know it wasn't just exclusive to filipinos or those who identified as filipino american you know anyone could join you just those are people that just wanted to dance and and it was great because they really found i really found that i really like dancing that i'm mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm pretty decent at dancing and like i want to get better at dancing so it, it provided that environment for me to to express myself um in that way and just to meet more people who are like-minded and like wanted to be better dancers or who wanted to just dance for fun as well mm-hmm. um and then touching upon prep filipino recruitment and enrichment program which i was i think that was the most heavily involved i was with a with an organization just because they they were the organization that hosted brewing life weekend mm-hmm. um you were leading that for a bit right yeah so yeah mm-hmm. it comes to comes to where i'm coming from so joy the the previous um director of um brew and life weekend mm-hmm. um she was she was our our host that year as well mm-hmm. for brew and life weekend 2011 um she basically um she she influenced me to take the lead on 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 brew and life weekend being able to uh provide uh, a space for seniors who identified as filipino or filipino american who wanted to go to ucla who were accepted to ucla um, get that opportunity to experience what it is like to be a UCLA student. Mm-hmm. So I did that for basically three years. So, well, four years technically because I was a volunteer my first year. Um, so I, I led that for, for three years and that basically, you know, influenced a lot of like my life right now just because it was involved in recruitment, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, part of the job that I'm doing now. Yeah. But it also was um, part of um, just just building um, building this connection with people who you don't know and you want them to to see the type of um, opportunities that you're able to provide for them at your school um, in a sense of not only being a Filipino slash Filipino American but also just being a UCLA student in general mm-hmm. um, and, and and being able to find workarounds on like how we could provide um, different resources for you know different backgrounds you know um, like Joy, Joy and I had similar types of backgrounds in the sense of like where we came from and all that, her being from San Diego, me being from LA, uh, we didn't grow up in the best neighborhoods. Um, so we were able to provide a new 
aspect or a new view of, um, of, of being a UCLA student coming from those types of areas. So mm. we not only catered to people who possibly came from our types of backgrounds, but also people who came from um, the Philippines, like who are immigrants who are trying to find um, their way as a, you know, as a Filipino in a predominantly Filipino American school mm-hmm. or those who, um, who are even um, Filipino Americans who came from the East Coast um, because you know, that, that's also a culture shock coming from the East Coast to the West Coast. So um, we were able to brainstorm um, more, um, more aspects of what it's like to be um, a Filipino slash Filipino American at UCLA from these types of backgrounds. So um, it, it just provided me with a lot of problem solving, a lot of like new ways of thinking of like how to solve things and how to provide these opportunities for different people. So um, I, I think that's one of like, that was definitely one of the best decisions I made at UCLA uh-huh. in the sense of um, just being part of prep slash brewing life weekend. And then um, just touching upon a, uh, TDB, the, the uh-huh. fraternity that I was a part of. So going into college, I, I, I had a big disdain for frats in general just because of, <laughs> of, you know, like the, the media, um, mm-hmm. the, the stuff that we grew up, like um, seeing what it was like to be in a frat, you know, that frat boy mentality, just mm-hmm. they just want to drink, they just want to party, they just want to like, you know, get with girls, you know, that typical mm-hmm. frat boy like persona um, was something that I was like so turned off on to me like, all I was saying, all frats are stupid. All frats are dumb. They, they don't provide anything. Yada yada. Mm-hmm. And then I get to UCLA, and then I I realized that um, coming into UCLA, that I was kind of um, in a bubble. I was in my own little zone where I couldn't find a lot of people who came from my type of background, and that was I I didn't want to lose that. You know, I didn't want to change in the sense where I would forget about where I grew up and forget the people that I grew up with just because I don't want to be that type of person to, in order for me to get a better life, I need to distance myself away from that type of uh, like environment or way of living. Yeah. But I can't, you know, I, I grew up there, I lived there, I have friends there. So it's, it's a part of me, you know, and I, I didn't want to be that type of person to lose that part of me. So TDB had um, had people that came from my type of background and came from my area specifically in yeah. historic Filipino town slash that like my that area that I grew up in and it, they were um, they were a Filipino based um, fraternity but was not they weren't part of like you know the the Asian Greek Council or like the, they weren't Panhellenic or anything like that. They were on, they were basically an underground fraternity. Mm-hmm. Basically they were a club <laughs> that labeled themselves as a fraternity, but were based around brotherhood slash fraternity, um, you know, backgrounds and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that, that basically w- why I was really attracted to being part of that fraternity was because of the people that were part of it. Um, they, they really, I, I really related to them. They, they knew, they knew of me because of I had, I had uh, my cousin went to the same high school as their president at the time when I went, and like they, like she knew them, and like, 
he knew her like and he was like he's a really great person at the time mm-hmm. not at the time he's he's still a really <laughs> great person i know just just speaking in a past tense he was yeah he's a really great person um and you know it that fraternity and the people in that fraternity really made me feel like i was at home in a sense where i i didn't really leave a part of me a like in la like like back at home home but that there was some part of home at ucla where i was living at you know living in the dorms and everything so um you know a lot a lot of people were surprised when i uh, joined TDB or like or when I started um, the process to become part of TDB mm-hmm. just because of the you know the, the negative implications of, of being a frat or just the negative implications of what TDB is in a sense of like their process was difficult and stuff like that that you know I can't really talk about but like <laughs> um, but you know people knew people knew this stuff but you know it, I wanted to do it just because because of the people the environment that they put through you know and they really changed my perspective of what it is like to be in a frat you know yeah they drink they party and stuff like that but then you know a majority of that is just meeting people networking Mm. being able to um meet people who are from the same type of background as you uh, and and having like even though like a majority of the the people part of the fraternity didn't really go to ucla they spent a lot of time at UCLA, so they knew the area, or like they were near the UCLA area. So it was just, it was just nice to to have another place where, you know, I could not only find new people, find people with the same background as me, but also just mm-hmm. have have that experience of being able to meet alumni that mm-hmm. can provide an opportunity for someone, and be able to give you insight on what it is like in certain types of industries. So yeah. that, that was a big, big factor that, um, uh, that led me to join uh, TDB. Just because there was a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people um, who were involved in nursing that were nurse practitioners that were from TDB that still come through, that still talk to like a lot of the, um, the, bro- like the brotherhood there at UCLA. So um, the the stigma the, the negative stigma of like you know of frats was um, quickly taken away when, once I started getting to know the people um, there so yeah the, I was involved in that um, but yeah just heavily heavily involved in those types just to find my my identity as a Filipino slash Filipino American wow I mean I was just gonna say all these you know Samang Filipino Samang modern prep TDB, all these spaces speak to you as a person and speak to you as you feel a certain calling. And I think that's very moving and something that we kind of overlook. And so just kind of going back to you going into UCLA initially, nursing major and what that conversation was like, you know, you have this idea in your head, you're going to pursue this and you're going to dedicate your life to it. And then going through changes of a major and something you're going to, you know, completely devote yourself to. So what was that? What was that conversation like and how'd you go about that? Yeah, so um, yeah, going to UCLA as a nursing major, like I said at first, it was top nursing program. I wanted to go there because, you know, my sister did it. You know, it going, being a nurse, like growing up, 
nursing was seen as something that was a good opportunity, really great, you know, pay and could provide for, you know, for your family, for yourself really well. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, it wasn't a bad, bad option to, to go to, especially because I didn't really know what I wanted to pursue um, in high school still, you know, go, even going into UCLA, even applying for nursing, like, I still didn't really know I wanted to do nursing. Um, so, you know, going, going to the program, going to like our, our nursing orientation and everything like that, I was exposed to like, you know, the other nursing majors in my cohort. They're really great people, amazing people. Um, a lot of the nurses there are nurses today um, and, and are great nurses, you know, all, like everyone in healthcare work right now, you know, are heroes, you know, and I, I commend them for that. But like, um, yeah, after that first, first quarter, first quarter, and then the, the second, like the half of like second quarter, after going through like a bunch of like my nursing classes, even just the, the supplementary classes that we needed to take for our nursing program, mm. uh, like I began to realize that nursing wasn't for me, you know, it, you know, it takes a certain type of person to really pursue nursing, to become a nurse. Like you can't really just, you know go into it like i'm going to become a nurse because it pays good you know mm. in order to become a good nurse in order to become you know someone you know who can be seen as someone who could take care of someone and be able to provide for someone you really need to have that in you like that that thing in you to really be a nurse like you can you can you can try to to go about it just as a job, but it's it's not gonna last long in that sense. And I knew for that fact that I I couldn't put myself through that, or I couldn't put my energy and my resources into becoming a nurse because that wasn't in me. So um, after that um, first quarter and a half, I, I I realized to myself that you know nursing nursing is not for me um it's you know i i knew it was something that i could finish and do but i knew i wouldn't enjoy it or like i wouldn't be able to put my full whole heart and effort to becoming a nurse at that point so i decided you know after talking with uh, my counselor and then talking you know with my friends um you know seeing how like, what did I want to do? Like, like if I'm not going to do nursing, then what, what, what am I going to do? So um, I was, you know, being involved with recruitment, being involved with Philippine recruitment and enrichment program prep, you know, I, I realized that I, like, I do like interacting with people, but not in a, like a medical healthcare sense, more <laughs> so like on a, like people basis, you know, like I love having conversation, I love, just just being able to to be in someone's company and learn more about them be able to to pick their brain at certain at certain things just so then not only i can learn more about them but i could possibly take that with me and you know work it into my own system so uh my friend one of my friends at the time that i was dancing with on on samahang was a was an anthropology major and you know you know they're practices go on for a long time you know so you have a lot of downtime so just having a like a conversation um, with that person describing what it is like to be an anthropology major 
understanding the the aspects of you know uh, of anthropology of archaeology cultural anthropology biological mm. I, I I realized that that was something more so that I was interested in so I took from that um, and the multiple conversations that we had afterwards I took um, you know I took a anthropology course as a, a GE and um, I fell in love with it I was like wow I really love doing the research. I really love learning more about people. So um, after being undeclared for like a little bit after getting out of the nursing program, mm -hmm. uh, I decided to pursue um, anthropology right afterwards just because not only was I kind of um, hell-bent on trying to pursue this degree, but also trying to find my, trying to see if there's some other thing as well the anthropology could go into um, it provided an avenue where I like even though I take these anthropology courses to become an anthropology major they could also apply to different majors as well that if if I was interested in like trying to declare for those other majors as well so uh, but you know I was kind of sent on uh, being an anthro major and the, like, just having those quick conversations and with myself and understanding what I wanted to do or what I wanted to do in college in general uh, really benefited me for the best because I, I don't know it, learning more about other cultures more learning more about um, you know how the past and how the current really meld together in order for us to to be the people that we are today really mm -hmm. attracted me to anthropology so yeah that's, wow. that's basically how I got from nursing to anthro wow and now that's like you said, you knew through nursing that you enjoyed the people interaction, maybe not the space exactly, but you knew you enjoyed that people interaction. And so talking about like the work that you do now um, and, and, and what you can share with us. So currently right now I am a talent coordinator for mm -hmm. um, a mobile gaming uh, company. Mm -hmm. So uh, initially, um, you know, after, after pursuing my degree, I, I had an idea what, what path I wanted to take after post, like post-grad mm -hmm. into, into, um, where, into in the career space that I wanted to be in. But it's just a matter of like trying to find that right opportunity to get me in there. So I, you know, mm -hmm. because I, I switched up majors and because you know, I was heavily involved in like these different organizations on campus, I didn't really have time for like an internship. Um, which I kind of regret, but it's, you know, it's fine. You know, it happens. Um, I wasn't able to get like those opportunities post-grad, like right away where I wanted to pursue in the talent acquisition slash human resources space. Cause um, the talent acquisition slash talent recruitment is within uh, HR basically. Mm -hmm. So just trying to find that, that avenue to get into that space was, was difficult at first. Um, but with, you know, through persistence, through, um, I guess, some, some luck as well, I was able to find an opportunity in HR and then grow into um, to being a talent coordinator. So I started off like as like payroll slash um, like time manage, to, like time management uh, input or I don't know, some, something very basic HR. Uh, and through that, I was able to network uh, and talk to some people within my company to find opportunities within um uh, uh, another uh, company um, afterwards and then now I'm here. So 
basically this recruitment space from college at prep, I was able to translate a lot of the, the work uh, and the skills that I gained from that into, um, into talent acquisition in the mobile game space. Just because, you know, I'm interacting with these people, uh, you know, I'm trying to give them um, the best opportunity that we can and provide them with all the resources uh, within our space that we could provide for them. So then, you know, they would have a comfortable living working for us. So everything that I did in prep translated extremely well to the thing that I'm doing right now at, um, as a talent coordinator uh, at the company that I work for now. So um, at the work that I do now, I'm not only am I like interacting with people, but you know, I'm, I'm trying to give and search for people um, who want to work on a, a game that I truly believe in mm. and um, that I truly enjoy playing as well. So just by being committed and in, so involved into the company that I work in and that I believe in really helps my job become a lot easier in a sense where I like, I'm not really interviewing people in this space mm -hmm. or being a talent coordinator. Uh, you know, we are trying to find um, people to fill the jobs within our company. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're trying to find designers. I'm trying to find, you know, program engineers. I'm trying to find artists and stuff like that. So we're trying to mm -hmm. fill these roles up, but it's not hard because I'm able to have a conversation with these people on the phone or like through the webcam where it comes off natural you know mm. it's not that standard interview where like so what skills do you have you know what can you do um yada yada like what are your soft skills what are the the hard skills that i could get out of you it's not like that like these conversations that i have with these people are more so on like on a person-to-person -person basis mm -hmm. so it's like hey so like what games do you like to play you know like what do you think about this game and what improvements do you think you can make it better like because i think i could do we could do this this and this and this and that so like a lot of the conversations slash interviews that I have with these people aren't really interviews. Like I'm getting to know this person to see, you know, to see if their, their headspace and their, their mind is right to be part of the company. And then um, they get, they go through their standard interview process, like the hiring, hiring leads and the hiring managers and like the whole, the whole team that they're going to work with. So being, being that um, initial point of contact for them really helps um, our company, um, just because it provides the person who we're trying to get or who we're trying to interview, um, that sense of belonging, that sense of, of being like, hey, I'm not alone in this. Like, like, I have someone to talk to and not someone that I have to turn to just to find a job, you know, because even though they might get rejected from the position at first, it's not like I'm a uh, a lost network you know they have my phone number i have their phone number hey maybe if you know maybe this role wasn't right for you but there might be another role that you might be great in that i could like oh i remember talking to this person hearing the feedback from him hey maybe he could fill this role you know yeah so just just being able to to distinguish you know this job from being a job and like this job from actually just being um, an opportunity for growth and improvement for the company that I believe in and for the people that I want to believe in mm. really helps um, 
make my job a lot easier and a lot more enjoyable in a sense where I'm not working. I'm, I'm trying to help, you know? Yeah. And, a lot. Yeah. I love that. I mean, see where you've come from, see what you've built, you know, over the years. I know that ultimately comes back to your biggest influences. And I know that being your family and I know on a very surface level, your sister just even pursuing that major and wanting to do nursing. So um, not only your sister, but your parents. And I think you, you know, unlike, you know, a lot of us, you've dealt with a lot of things that I personally haven't. And, you know, a lot of our friends haven't had to deal with, but one, just talking about the influence of your parents on you, as well as your sister's influence on you. And we'll start there. Yeah. So yeah, growing up, um, I was, like growing up, I was very fortunate to have both my parents in my life, you know, and that, that's also something that, you know, not a lot of people have um, available to them or like that they, they were able to grow up with. So I was fortunate to have them in my life, you know, growing up. Um, they, they were a really big influence in a sense where uh, like even growing up in like a private school, being sheltered and stuff like that, I was still, you know, I was still a, kind of like a bad kid where I didn't really <sighs> listen to them. I listened to them in, to an extent where like I knew like if I did this, then of course that, you know, something bad would happen in an outcome, you know, being involved with the gang or being like out too late and stuff like that. But I was still, you know, I was still, you know, ditching school sometimes. Uh, I was hanging around with like, I still had friends like who were with gangs, who were involved in gangs that my parents told me to, to not be friends with them anymore, but I didn't listen to them. You know, I still hung out like in areas where I shouldn't hang out in and stuff like that. So, and I wasn't doing too good in school. That was like one of those things too, where I was, um, I, you know, I, was, I didn't care. I, I didn't care as much. You know, I understood my parents cared for me. They just wanted the best for me, but I let, I didn't, I didn't care as much as I should have at that time. Um, but they, they still loved me. They still cared for me. I was, again, super, super fortunate to have parents that really wanted the best for me. That's all they ever wanted for me was the best for me. And um, I understood that, but I didn't care for it at that time. Mm. And then, you know, going through what I went through, so... Um, what made me change from being such a, you know, like a, a delinquent at the time, you know, <laughs> going, like, I wasn't, like, in the path, but I was going down the path of, like, the wrong direction because of the area that I was living in and, like, even the people that I was partly associated with, like, you know, it was there and I, I, I possibly could have been in that type of situation where I could have really done some harm to my, you know, my life. And what changed that was because uh, my, my parents passed away. Um, my mom passed away when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, and then my, my dad passed away um, within the same year or within like, like nine months from my mom passing away uh, to lung cancer. Uh, and stress, especially just because 
the loss of my mom is it took a toll on him. Yeah. So yeah, go think looking back at it or just thinking about it. Um, my mom passing away was a big shock because that came out of nowhere. Like that that one came out of nowhere and like I I remember going to school that day. Um, that because she was um, in the morning she she had a she had a stroke and then she was sent to the hospital we called we called the ambulance she was sent to the hospital and then my dad went to the hospital and I was my friend picked me up to go to school that day and then throughout that whole day I was um, thinking to myself like you know modern medicine amazing she's gonna be fine she's gonna be better and stuff like that Um, and then at the, the end of the day, when I got picked up from school from my dad, I remember him picking me up and then him uh, crying, like super emotional. And I knew then that it was like really bad. Went to, went to the hospital that day and it just, you know, it, it settled into me that she wasn't going to make it. And I like literally at that point, I realized, you know, like I can't, I can't keep going down the path that I'm going on because of what, how much they cared for me and how much they wanted the best for me. Like, uh, I want to say I'm, I'm kind of different from a lot of the, the people who, who experience this type of loss, you know, loss of their parents, stuff like that, because I, the, the next coming weeks and the next stuff like that, like I, you know, I, I went through counseling, you know, I went through, you know, I talked to counselors and everything like that. Um, because, you know, it's, 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 it's a very big loss and everything like that, but, you know, you know, I was definitely sad. It was definitely, um, I, I don't want to say I was depressed at, at any point, but I knew that I wanted to make her proud of me. Mm. And I think that's what drove me to really be the individual that I am today in, was because I knew she wouldn't want me to to be in any bad place in my life, and she just wanted the best for me. And I knew, like, I couldn't put myself into that type of space, headspace of where you know I would spiral down. And I knew I needed to do better for myself, and and that really propelled me to to the path that I wanted to be. Um, go to college like she always wanted me to to go to college you know my dad too wanted me to go to college and we're really like set in stone but really like put the hammer like down on the nail was like you know a couple couple months later because of the stress of my mom passing away because you know my dad being a heavy smoker like he developed lung cancer and everything like that and then he was um he really uh he understood like what was happening in a sense where me and my sister knew that he wasn't going to make it the next, you know, in the next coming months. And um, we tried to make him as comfortable as possible um, before he passed away. And, and I, I believe we did that because he was with family the entire time. Yeah. Uh, we were able to take care of him. Me and my sister were always at his side and stuff like that. So that really like after that happening, after losing, you know, both my parents, um, 
that really made me want to do better and really made me want to to continue doing what I'm doing, uh, but also not you know sacrifice anything that they've done for me for me to achieve what I wanted to do. Um, and uh, I don't know, it's 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 such a weird thing to talk about just because what a lot of people ask me or what a lot of people um, think about when I talk to them about this type of situation that I've been through was like, you know, how was I able to get through it? Like, you know, like, they, like a lot of them would tell me they would spiral down or like, you know, it, it would be really difficult for them to, to do the things that I was able to do at the time. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's different for a lot of people. You know, I can't tell you, you have to do this so then you could get better. You know, you know, I've had, I've had friends who have lost a parent or both parents or a sibling or anything like that nature, someone really close to them. And they, they would come to me and ask me like, like, how are you able to get through what you went through? Like, because they, they were having a tough time. I told them it's different. You know, you're going to react the way you're going to react because that's how you're feeling. Um, and that's what your emotions are at. You know, of course, you're going to feel sad. Of course, you're, you're, you know, there are going to be those times where it's really difficult for you to, to get through the day because you're just thinking so heavily of like, of, of, the, of your loved one that has passed away. And I've had those times, but you no, know, the best advice that like I gave for myself that I, that I, I knew that I needed and that I knew that, you know, it could be applicable to a lot of people. This is surrounding yourself with, with the people that, um, that you love as well. You're not alone. Like that's the main thing is that even though it feels like your whole world is crashing down, you know, my parents were my everything too. Even though I had siblings, like half siblings, I grew up as an only child. Um, And, but then I had a lot of cousins, a lot of uncles, a lot of aunts, grandma, grandpa. Um, They were there for me. All my friends were there for me from like uh, from high school that and middle school and elementary and all that they they were there for me they like I had to understand that I couldn't push anyone away because that in a sense that I would be pushing myself away from them so just being able to surround myself with those people being able to take in what they're saying you know and and not push them away because just because they're they don't understand how I'm feeling like I no one's gonna ever understand how you're feeling like even though that we, if you're someone's dealt the same situation, which I hope, you know, no one, no one ever has to feel the same type of pain that I felt. Like even though like you, another, you know, another one of my friends who lost a parent, like both of their parents as well. Like I can't relate my my feelings or my emotions to way how they're feeling because it's always going to yeah. be different. So the best the best way that I could you know help them is just be there for them. Um. And then listen, listen to them, listen to everything that they're saying. Um, so yeah, it's just like c- coming off that tangent, you know, just, you know, as unfortunate as a situation as it was, like they really, that the situation that I was dealt with really propelled me to, to where I am today, you know, never forget, like, never forget like what they've done for me. Like I was just so fortunate enough to to have lived a life with them to to have memories with them to have pictures with them and videos with them and those are the things that i always look back on that i I still have you know i have a a whole photo album with them 
me when I was a kid, me when I was in middle school and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so like, I look back at those memories and I make sure that, you know, never forget, never forget yeah. them. And it, it's something that I'll, I'll continue to, to remember them about, you know, never going yeah. away. I mean, thank you for sharing that, Ryan. It's, um, it's a lot. And um, I just want to say thank you for sharing that. You've, like I said, the neighborhood you've grown up in and all the experiences and the adversities with you know, loss of your parents and trying to find yourself in college, been through a lot. And I wanted to ask all the spaces and people you've come across, if you could just speak and say something, anything to a 13 year old self of you or anyone out there listening to this, Ryan, what would you, what would you say, what would you share with that 13 year old version of yourself or younger viewer out there um, just figuring out life? Wow. <laughs> I never really thought about that type of question, but like, I guess figuring out where I was when I was 13, you know, early high school, late middle school, just trying to figure out, you know, what I'm going to wear the next day in high school, <laughs> coming from private to public school. But, you know, just, I would tell, I would tell him, 13-year-old Ryan, to really enjoy the time that you have with all the people that you are surrounded in, in the different spaces that you're in to really soak in every single thing, be it with family, be it with all your friends, your dance team, every single space that you're gonna be in, you're gonna create memories and you're gonna create relationships that'll last a while. So definitely absorb and be present, be present in all those spaces because then I remember finding myself really out of it in some some aspects and some spaces that I was in just because, you know, something that happened or like, you know, some sort of things. Um, but just to really be present there and really, really be a part of it more, even more so than, than what I was in now. Because mm -hmm. I feel like in every space that I was in, you know, every family gathering that I was in, I was really, I was part of it, but I was also like, oh, I could have done more, you know, I could have done this more. So, you know, I wouldn't tell him to change anything, you know, because that's how, that's how I was able to become the person I am today. So really be present and enjoy every space that you're in, every family member that you're with. Yeah, thank you for that question. Wow, that, that was a <laughs> really great question that, you know, I would love to tell myself in 13 for sure. Yeah, well, I know in one way that will manifest, someone's going to listen to this and they're going to embody that and it's going to inspire them similarly to your siblings and your parents and all the influences on you. But I um, just want to say thank you, Ryan. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing your narrative. It's extremely important. 
And uh, for those that are just listening and tuning into the Of Like Minds podcast, um, taking something from Ryan's story and figuring out how you can apply that and use that as inspiration um, in your own narrative. So Ryan, hopefully we can do a follow-up and you know see where we are when we can cross paths again um, you know, amidst this like pandemic. But again, just want to say thank you for your time, for coming on and sharing your story. And uh, I'll see you soon, man, okay? See you soon. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate you, man.